welcome to All That Trauma. I'm your host, Heidi Francis, and today we are going to be talking about a subject that is very real right now. I will say that I'm very naive to this subject. It is something that is very new to me, and that subject is going to be the subject of sex trafficking. Now, there's not a whole lot of people who really talk about this because they are not too well versed. And I think if people think like I do, they think that this is something that happens in foreign lands and things of that nature, but that's just not true. Today, I have somebody, an incredible guest who is going to honor us with her story today and really let us know the gravity and the realness of what sex trafficking is and how real it is here in the United States. So firstly, I'm going to give a brief explanation or definition of what sex trafficking is for anybody who just doesn't know. Human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery. Human trafficking occurs when a trafficker exploits an individual with force, fraud, or coercion to make them perform commercial sex or work. So in this instance, we are talking sex trafficking. And my guest today, who I'm going to be bringing on here shortly, her name is Soraya Hastings. She is an incredible person with an incredible story. I hope that you guys have your hearts ready to hear this story because it is very impactful. Anybody who hears this story and is not impacted, I mean, I don't even know. (laughs) what planet you're from, but we are going to hear her now. She is an author of the book called No More Games, and that's actually out now and available to you guys. And she recently launched her nonprofit, which is actually called Ashes to Beauty. And I just saw that today that that got launched, so I'm excited for her. Um, And so I'm going to be bringing her on now. Hello, Soraya. Hi. Welcome to All That Trauma. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. I'm honored to have your story here on All That Trauma. Soraya, your story is a very big story. It's definitely a unique story. I've looked up a ton of statistics on sex trafficking because I truly don't know too much about it. I don't know about it personally or anything like that. So I had to really wrap my mind around this. I can say that when I was younger, I never saw signs up on stalls saying, hey, if you or someone you know is being, you know, exploited or or anything like that that called this number. I never saw those, but more recently, I'm starting to see it in every single stall that I go into. And it makes sense that some of these statistics ring loud and clear. Mention a few of them just so people understand the gravity of this, but how bad is child trafficking? Well, about 10,000 children per year suffer the horrors of human trafficking. Each victim on average is forced to have sex more than five times a day. That, that freaked me out that I I can't I couldn't when I was I'm writing it down and just acting like this is something I'm writing down but my god the fact that this is an actual true statement a true statistic and it's happening right now freaked me out a number that didn't freak me out quite as much is that 60 percent of sex sex trafficked children in the United States come from the foster care system I specifically came from the foster care system, and I know that there's a whole lot of sexual abuse that happens within the foster care system. So that didn't necessarily freak me out because you have a bunch of vulnerable children. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's there. And then in the United States, the trafficking has increased by 20% in the last year. Yeah. Well, you you know, because you have to understand. So the main thing that everybody knows, but dismissed any. They look at it as it's an awesome movie is the Pretty Woman movie. Everybody knows Pretty Woman. Everybody knows Julie Roberts and how she found her nine child, but she was a prostitute. Yeah. On right. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. In LA, which is the number one, like top notch. And I've been out of I now understand I've been out of human trafficking for almost 10 years. So it may have changed. I I don't I try right. not I keep up with it just enough. To help women get out of it. So the women that come out of it, they kind of tell me. So that's how I keep abreast of what's going on. But other than that, when I was on Sunset Boulevard, you had to be naked and you had to be basically top notch. So you had to look your best to be on that on that strip. Wait, help me understand this. You had to be naked? Basically, there were some women that had just, you know, uh, underwear on and, you know, 10-inch stilettos here. Heels, I had a bodysuit with 10-inch stiletto heels. And I had to walk up and down what they call the blade, which is a strip of, you know, a street. I remember I walked 100 and I think it was 137 blocks 
one night just so that I can get dates. And we, you just, you walk, we walk the, you call it the, we call it the blade. And I put that in my book. I kind of bring some of the, the definitions, you know, the blade, the wifey, you know, madam, bottom, what all those words mean and stuff in my book. But yeah, it, it's, it all depends on where you're at, what city you in, what state you in, how the men will treat you, what kind of pimp you have, what kind of status you have in, in the, in the game and how long you've had, you know, there was sometimes depending on where I was at, some, some people knew me and they, you know, they would give me my respect. Oh, that's, that's Soraya's, that's Soraya's block, you know, corner, you know, no woman stands over in that corner. You got to go over here. So it's very territorial. There's a whole bunch involved in it. It's literally, I call it a game because it's literally playing chess. It sounds like a game. The way that you're describing that sounds it really is. And I at the end of the day, you're playing Russian roulette with your life. Like, you know, every day it was, am I going to make it to another day? Am I going to make it to another day? You know, that's, and, and I, I try to let people know that my story is, you know, my story and there's millions of other women who have a story and they do not speak because they are scared to death that they're going to be murdered. And you know what you, when, when we first spoke, I remember when we first kind of talked before we came on board I had asked you know hey where are you from and blah 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 and you had a little bit of trepidation there like hey like I <laughs> well, I'm very cautious with that with you know and I something I would have never even known to not ask but that's a very real fear for you and I, I get that that's look so that's a lot that's a lot and even all that you've given so far is is a lot and I'm sure people are like whoa 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 I am firstly can you tell us I you know obviously this all started from somewhere. So where did your story begin? So if you, so my story, if you wanted, my story began when I was two years old, I got, I started getting molested at the age of two by my family. Um, so when I say my family, I'm talking about all my family, you know, close relatives, distant relatives, all the way up to the age of 16. It was so normal. And I, and I speak about that. It was very normalized in my, in my life. I saw, sex going on in my house, you know, women having sex with women, you name it. It was so normal. Drugs, alcohol, parties, you know, you name it. And so when I turned the age of 12, I had got, I had basically got raped by five men, uh, five boys. They were to me men because I was 12 and they were 16 and I saw you know, these boys passing money back and forth and stuff. And, and, you know, it got to the point where from the age of 12, and that's why I say in my book, I officially became a prostitute at age of 18 because I never actually dealt with a transaction at the time from the age of 12 to the age of seven to the age of 18. I was just considered the whole in the, uh, from the city, you know, oh, don't talk to her. You know, you know, you get, if you want her to get, in, you know, I remember one of the boys came in like, hey, let's have sex behind, you know, the basketball courts and stuff. I, you know, they would all just come, oh yeah, we, but I was never good enough to be with in the public eye. You know, I was those back, the back door, you know, and it was, and it proved my, my, my family's point because my family would always call me fat. You know, you amount to nothing. You're not good looking. You know, you're, you know, whatever name, a pig, uh, where's the beef fat, whatever it may be. Cause I was a heavy child. And so my, in, my insecurities were so low and that's where human trafficking comes into play. Most men most predators, most men, and it can be women. I was one who prostituted women as well. So it can be a woman as well. Uh, they can, they'll look at a, a child, whether they're, you know, and children are, are really receptive. That's why we have, to, as parents, have to be on top of encouraging our children and, and, and giving them like, you know, encouraging them and saying, you know, and praising them and things like that and not demeaning them and belittling them because at the end of the day, these children get depressed and then somebody, some man like for me came up and said, Oh, you pretty. Now, mind you, I had a mother that told me that I would never, that I would never have a boyfriend. And when I did tell her I had a boyfriend, she says, that's your imagination. 
And I was like, asset. So you had your 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 very your biological mother, and you had your biological father. Yeah. Ones that were pouring this into you. Yeah, I, I come from a two hole. I, I didn't. So people from outside looking in, it looked like it was everything was going good because I had the cookie cutter white fence house and growing up and had everything I needed and wanted and all this stuff. And I had two parents. Out of, out of two household, but they were never hardly around because they were always working. So I was, you know, my family was always gone. You know, all my family's all I was always by myself. And so this looked, happened because you were always by yourself, and then these situations just sprung up on you. Well, no, it wasn't just that they sprung up on me, but because I was looking for attention. Yeah. Because I wasn't getting attention from my family, and the negative attention that I was getting was not encouraging me. So when a boy comes and tells me that I'm cute, oh, I'm going to do anything that he says. Yeah. Because, yeah. okay, I, if, okay, you think I'm cute? And he says, oh, well, if you do this, I'll love you. Or if yeah. you do that, you know, you'll be my girlfriend. So I'll, you, I'll do whatever. So how did that turn into, where did that progress? So from, from age 12, you're, all these situations are happening, but to the age of 18, it goes to where you're actually... So I was, I started using drugs when I was in high school and then it got to the point where when I was 18, I, my family was fed up. I had been constantly being kicked out of my parents' house all the time, you know, getting caught using drugs, whatever, being out late, whatever, whatever the case may be. And so this last time I got kicked out and I was sleeping in people's houses, different people's houses. And I was couch hopping. And, and so one day I get off work and I'm, I'm really tired and I don't want to be, I, I don't want to go back to where I was at, you know? And so I called my family and I asked my family, can I come home? And all my family told me no. Wow. So I, I, so I hung up my, I hung up the phone and a, a girl came uh, who at the time was, uh, you know, a friend of mine. And she came and she said, hey, let's go to this. I got this party that we go to. And I went to this party and this party, I walked in and I knew the boys. I knew the men. I knew some of them. And I and then I know, you know, I didn't know the other ones. And I look over to my right and there was half women naked playing cards and passing money around. And these were hundred dollar bills they were passing. And like I said, in, in another interview, I leaned over and the mistake that I made that I will regret for the rest of my life was when I looked over to the woman and I said to that girl, how do I get that? And because I said, how do I get that? Some met, well, somebody heard me say that and they gave me some Hennessy. They gave me a, a ecstasy pill and some weed. And they said, here you go. I took it. They took me to the back. Three men raped me. And then the man who chose me let me know that he chose me. And that's when I went off into prostitution. Wow. At the age of 18. My yep. God. And then, so your family wasn't even at this point, they weren't looking for you or anything because they had already rejected you. Yep. My God. Okay. So you. Can I ask, I and this is again, I, I told you early on, I'm very yeah. nice to all of this. So where are you sleeping? Where do you, you know? So I used to tell people I'm the richest homeless person you'll ever meet because I used to stay in a hotel. That was the only difference between me and a homeless person many wow. times was basically me staying in a hotel room. So the first pimp I had, they brought me to a, a, a house and I'll never forget, they told me that I couldn't take a shower, that I couldn't go to the bathroom, that I couldn't leave the room, I couldn't eat anything. There was no TV other than, and I couldn't, and the only TV that there was was in the room, his room. And so I had to lay in his bed and I could not leave that room until he came back from whatever he was doing. And so there would be times where I had to hold to go to the bathroom. Or I would go out and prostitute, and if I didn't come out with the right amount of money, I couldn't take a shower. So all the men I slept with, I got all their filth, all their what you think of on my body, and I couldn't take a shower. And I would have, you know, I remember one time when I write in my book, I remember one time I was fed up. I, I didn't have enough money, and I knew he was, I knew was going to kill me. And I had to figure out a way to get out. And so I 
split the money, took half of the money and I had another money and I ripped up my dress to look like I had got raped and stuff. And, and so he threw a knife at me after he beat me, he threw a knife at me and he said, don't let this ever happen again. I'm going to give you a pass. And so the, the next night I left, I left him and thinking that I found a boy, you know, a dude that likes me, not realizing it was another pimp. I went with this other dude and it was him and another man. And that's when I learned out what wifey meant. And basically that I was taking care of somebody else's family, basically that I was a woman that was staying in a hotel. They had me in a hotel for a few months. And I remember about three and a half weeks went by without me eating a thing other than some chips from the gas station. And that was it. Uh, and stuff because they would come get the money, pay for my hotel room, and then they would be gone and I wouldn't see them. And so, so their, their expectation of you is to go out every single night. They give you a certain amount of money that you have to bring back. So, yeah, so I so so the way it goes is it's called a quota. So in my book, I talk about how I had to make seven seven hundred fifty dollars. I don't remember the exact amount, but I try to give people I try to give people an idea of what I mean by quota. So it was seven hundred fifty dollars that I needed to go make. And I knew I remember that I did not have enough. I knew that I was four. I remember specifically I was $400 short. I don't know if it was 800 that I was supposed to make or seven or whatever, but I knew I was $400 short. And me and this, uh, this guy who was in, in the truck and he was a truck driver. Uh, Cause I was uh, at a truck driver, uh, truck drive stop. And I was in there is this guy's truck driving, you know, car, you know, truck and stuff. And we literally had an argument because I was, he was wanting me to give him oral sex for $40. And I said, no, 400. And he said, no, 40. And we argued back and forth and I was like, I'm not doing this for no $40. And so I got out the, the truck and I just, I knew it. I knew then that I, something, I, something was going to happen to me, you know, because I did not come with the money and stuff. So that, that was that one. And then the one I left after him that I left him to go to another one, not realizing, cause I'm naive to this and not realizing that I'm going to another pimp in that hotel room. They came in, told me, get ready. And literally there was a line of men standing at my door and they would come in, put $20 on the table. I would lay on my back and they would, they wouldn't even, some of them, I didn't even feel it. And they keep going. It was just like, it was a door just rotating in and in and in. And that's, that was my life. That was my life. It was, it's, you know, I remember I told somebody, uh, in another interview, I told her that, you know, I had to go get, you know, tested to make sure that, you know, a woman, you know, do a womanly checkup like we usually do and stuff. And so the woman asked, the nurse asked me how many, how many, you know, how, how many people have you had sex with? And I looked at the woman, I said, in the last three weeks, over 3,000 men and 95% of them have been unprotected. And she just looked at me. And, you know, by the grace of God, you know, you're looking at a woman who Jesus Christ, you know, showed mercy and grace on me because I do not have AIDS. So I do not have STDs or anything like that, you know, and, and 90, 98% of my, any, tra- any transaction, any, any sexual intercourse that I had in my life was basically unprotected. Soraya, I can't even, that is heavy. That is heavy, 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 heavy stuff. And I, I've i already spoken with you before this, and I would have never understood the gravity of what it is that you've been through. And I'm a little bit at a loss of words. So one of the questions that I had here was if you ever felt like you would get would not get out, like what were your what were your thoughts in those moments? Were you wanting to get away? Were you do you fall into that? This is just my way of life. Do, are you scared? So, so there's there's a few things that happen, you know, and and I remember one, well, like I said, and I, you know, I, I'm a unique story. Everyone has a unique story, and I had, like I said, multiple pimps. So, all my situations are different. So, you know, one one pimp I was involved with, him and his uh, his uh, one of his boys, he wasn't around. He was in another state, and so his boy was watching over me. 
but I was collecting money for them and stuff. And so I told my pimp I wanted to leave him. He said, you need to make me $1,300 in 24 hours. And so then the, his boy who was watching me said, listen, you make me, you have to make me $1,300 as well. So $2,600, I had to come up in 24 hours and I could only walk. I wasn't allowed to put my, you know, put ads out on, you know, on different websites that they had out at the time and try to pick up dates, you know, in, in hotels. And so I had to walk up and down the streets to basically, you know, when you see a woman that goes up and down getting in cars and so I had to do that. And they said, if I did not give them the money, the $2,600 by the 24 hours that was up, that it would start all over again and it would start at zero. So even if I gave them $2,595 and I was $5 short, they would have to have me start all over again. And that's how they try to hold, that's how they try to keep me, you know, and stuff. And and so they make, there's some pimps that, that do it that way. I was sold. I, I was actually sold. And that's why the $1,300 came that because it costs, it costs my pimp $1,300 to purchase me. So I had to basically, what he was saying is I had to pay him back because he purchased me. So, you know, there's, there's that way. There are some women who the, the pimp isolates them and they only are allowed to speak to the women that they're in their circle, in their mm -hmm. family and stuff. And they don't allow them to, then they, you know, say, well, they, they make it to seem as they, their family doesn't want them. So they, they say, well, see, you can't live without me. Nobody's going to ever want you. Nobody's there. You look, you look how filthy you look, look how nasty you are. You're used up. Look how many men have ran through you. All the things that I've heard these men say to different women, I've been around girls who have been as young as 14, 13, 14 years old, all the way up to 45. And the way that these men speak to us women, oh, they, that you are not, you're filthy, you're this, you're that. And it just, the, and the fact that they believe them because they've, they've brainwashed them and manipulated them so much and, you know, and, and made them seem like this is it. This is all they can do, and, you yeah. know, and, and so that that's where it's very hard, you know, and when I came out of it, you know, the, the years of learning who Jesus Christ is and, and knowing my worth and knowing that I am loved and all these things that I had to learn mm -hmm. and, and get a, a sense of who I am uh, mm -hmm. in Christ, it, it was it was hard for a long time. It was hard. There, it makes complete sense to me that you found God. In all of this, I can't even imagine where else you would find to cling to. I don't even, I can't wrap my head around this. When I think of human trafficking and sex trafficking, you know that it is like it's a prison that you're in, in, in some way. But we're talking like this is very, very recent. And this is here in the United States. And this is happening in front of just regular, normal, everyday people in everyday life. You know, a lot of people, it, it's hard to wrap around because they make it glamorous. The rappers make life glamorous. Right. You, know, you, yeah. you, you see all these rappers with these women. You see them uh, with these Bentleys and these Maseratis and these uh, uh, Aston Martins and all these people talking about this and I'm going to do this. And if you listen to all their songs, it's either about sex or drugs. That's yeah. really, that's all they're talking about. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you look at the situation, you look at these women's lives and they, it's not, a, it's not a prison. They make it look like it's not a prison. Yeah. Because right. a lot, you know, because, so a pimp is called a daddy. That, right. That's what a, they don't, they don't, we don't call, we don't call them pimps. We call them, oh, that's my daddy. That's my daddy over there. And you get these young girls who are between the ages of 14 to, to 18 years old, 21 years old, like myself at the time, that was naive. And, oh, yeah, my daddy going to buy me this. Oh, my daddy got my nails done for me today. Oh, my daddy got my hair done. Like, this is what comes out. And they think it's cool and, and, and all that, you know, like. At that age, yeah. And, it, and so because of that, that's why, you know, I tell people, it is very hard when you have teenagers 
who are in human trafficking and you're trying to convince them to come out because they're they're they are they are the most lucrative money making out there a child is more is more lucrative than a, an adult woman because at the at the end of the day they they i used to get beat yeah. I remember I told one, I told a couple of these girls that I was working with, get out. I'll take the rap. Don't worry about it. You know, leave. You don't need to be in this situation. I knew that this wasn't okay, but I didn't understand the fullness of how it wasn't okay. Yeah. But I knew it was not okay. So I didn't want these girls to be involved. And of course, they went and told their daddy. And when they went and told their daddy, he came and stepped to me and he swung and he didn't realize that I swing back and I swung back and then he teed off on me like I was a grown man and I had a duck in cover and I had got so many bruises and, and everything. There's so many times, all t different kinds of pants. I didn't have knives pulled, guns pulled. I didn't have been beaten. You name it. I, I've been through it all. I've seen it all. There's not a whole lot of stuff that I haven't seen in my life. You know, I've seen a woman give birth on the streets after her pimp and beat her and he told her to go out and she was due that day and told her to go out and make him his money and literally that girl gave birth on the streets and I couldn't help her I had to walk away because if I helped then I would get in trouble and so you know there's there's so many things that people and then you know they don't they make the pimps make them feel as if they they can't get out like nobody's going to ever want them who who's going to believe see this is the this is what kills me I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm telling you these things and I'm telling you that you, you can, you, you can take it as a grain stand or whatever. And most people will sit there and, and after they watch this, they'll say, Oh, she's lying. That's not true. That's not happening. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of people say, Oh, she's lying. This ain't true. Even right now, I guarantee you there's somebody that's watching that's going to say, Oh, she's not Oh, she just making this up. She just want to be on. T she just wants to be just talking and stuff like that. And I guarantee you, because of that, there are women right now who know and scared to death that they know and it's proven that they can't get out because their pimp will tell them, nobody's going to believe you. You're lying. They're going to tell you you're lying. They're not going to believe you. Who would want to believe a, a girl who sleeps around, who, uh, who lays around with everyone who, or who's a, a piece of meat? that can be thrown away. I mean, all the horrific things, the degrading and stuff. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you try to save these girls, right? So that's yep. what you do now. You go in there, yep. front lines, and try to yep. tell these girls their worth and try to yep. bring them out of it. And even while you're talking to them and telling them and giving them, extending, you know, your arm, they're, they, don't, they don't take you up on that? Some don't. Or some do, and it's very hard because, so, so when I came to Christ, and I went through, I went through a program. So the woman, I wanted to abort my child, and the woman who introduced me to Christ, she said to me, you know, I don't have any money because at the time I had no money. I, you know, I had moved to New England. I like I was done, and I, I said, well, you know, I, I'm homeless and I'm pregnant. Yeah, And she goes, well, I know a program and it was a two year program. And I said, okay. So I went through the program and in the process of going through the program, there was about a good, it took about good six to eight months before I came to realize that these people were not here to harm me, that they really did love me and they cared about me. Yeah. Because yeah. It, you have to understand some women who come who is willing to take the hand extended and I tell them every time they come in, I said, I tell them, I said to all of the ladies, I love you dearly. I said, I love you more than you'll ever know. Mm -hmm. I said, I pray for y'all. I prayed y'all come. I would tell them, I prayed y'all to come and, you know, and, and so that I, you know, could be with y'all and just talk to y'all and stuff like that. And, and I tell them, I said, I pray about y'all every night, you know, uh, and I sit there and I try and I tell them, you know, I understand. I may not know your story. I may not been in your story. I said, I got my own story. And yeah. I tell some, and I tell the ladies, I said, I don't care about your story. It's not that I don't love you and I don't care about you, but I care about your future. I care about your soul. Yeah. Right. I care about where you're going, not where you came from. Yeah. We all got stories. Yeah. We all got stories. 
But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he pulls you out of the muck and mire. He pulls you out of that filth mm. and he sits you on a, on a rock and he gives you sustenance and he gives you a life because he says that he gives you life and life abundantly. Like he gives you the desires of your heart. You know, mm. for me to even sit here and talk to you, I wanted to do this when I was six years old. And my family said that it would that it doesn't make any money and that this right here would not uh, support my family when they my parents when they got old and stuff. Because you wanted to be a speaker, right? I wanted to be a speaker. I just yeah. wanted to speak. I didn't know what what that looked like. I just knew that I wanted to go and speak. Yeah. And for me to sit here and do what I the desires of my heart that that even though my flesh my biological family mm -hmm. disowned me, turned their backs, did, yeah. did not want me. I have a God named Jesus Christ who loves me and yeah. he cares for me. And because he cares for me, how dare I not turn around and extend my hand to the, to the women, children, and men. There are tons of men who are involved in this that they can't, they don't speak about this and they get molested and abused and everything but because that they're and, and then they they think that there's something wrong with them and that's why then they have the the maybe I'm supposed to be this way or maybe I'm supposed to be that but because they've been so, so much stuff has gone traumatically has gone wrong with you know with them and has happened to them they feel it's like their fault and oh yes I'm supposed to be this way or oh yes I'm supposed to be that way no honey yeah and you so know, you life into them. And I I have to ask, right now, who I'm speaking with is obviously not the same person as no. who came out of that. How, where did you, what was your pivotal point? You mentioned, okay, that you were pregnant. You're pregnant. Was that the moment when you found out that you're pregnant, that you're like, I have to get out? Like, what actually caused you to want to do this? That, that's, that's what I saw. I had a child when I was 19 mm -hmm. and or 20. I think it was 19 or 20. And I walked out of my son's life, mm -hmm. turned my back on it. I gave him a hug and I write that in my book and I gave him a hug and I said, I'll be back. And I never came back for him. And, and you know, I, I sat there and I chose men, the desire to find love in men mm -hmm. over my child and yeah. being 20 years old and wrapped up in drugs. Uh, that that was what I did. And so when I turned 28 and I found out I was pregnant again and my pimp, when I told him that I was pregnant, he said, well, where's my $1,500 at? You were supposed to give me my $1,500 a week ago. I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm done. I told him then I, I just said to him, I'm done. I'm done. And so you were able to get out of that situation unscathed? Yeah, I just no. I mean, I I called and I tell most women, you know, if you're depending on where you're at in the United States, you call two one one. That's what I did. I called two one one, and I told them, listen, I need I need help. And two one one has a directory line for domestic violence shelters and mm -hmm. things like that. And so I called two one one and got into a, a shelter out in New England, and it's been uphill ever since. Yeah, it's been uphill ever since, you know, the the learning who I am, loving who I am, knowing who I am in Christ, loving mm -hmm. my child, because after I had my child, you know, it wasn't like I was excited that I was a mom. You know, there was a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. You know, I had been masking it for years with drugs and and all the stuff. Now that I've been, you know clean from drugs, wasn't using drugs anymore. And I wasn't around the chaos of drama and trying to live, you know, survival mode every single day. It got time to where I had to deal with my issues. And, you know, that's where some people, they don't like, they, they, so I call Pete, there's, you know, for me and, you know, judge me if you want to, whatever, what? but I, there's, there's certain people that I, I, I say, are you a real Christian or are you a Christian? Yeah. You know, to me, a real Christian is one who is willing to allow Jesus Christ to deal with those core issues. Yeah. Those, those, those things that, that 
you didn't masked over because of drugs, because of alcohol, because of relationships, and you didn't use all different types of things to fill that those voids and those holes in your life. And yeah. you you're steady trying to find a way, but Jesus Christ is the only way to fill those holes and can clean up those holes and to remove the pain, but leave the scar because you got to remember where you come from. Because as I tell the women, if you forget where you come from, you're going to fall back into that lifestyle. So yeah. you got to steady remember where you come from. So those scars are there to remind you, but not to harm you. And he does those things so that you could be renewed and set free because he says that whoever is free is free indeed so the thing about it is once you receive jesus christ are you a real christian are you really trying to get your life changed yeah because if you when you do that and you and you allow him to really come into your life into your whole life not partial oh he sounds good over here on a yeah. tuesday become a win become a thursday oh no i can't deal with that and be a christian every single day of your life not perfect because i'm not perfect yeah but to be able to say lord you know, like I, I you know, I, I sit here and, and, and I'm so true. I'm so real. Like, this is who I am. You know, I, I tell you, I, I, a woman who goes out of human trafficking deals with pornography. People don't realize that pornography is human trafficking. You're when you when when people nowadays go on Internet and click on whatever it may be. Pornhub, whatever, I don't even know all the ones anymore, but you click on those things, you're watching a woman being prostituted. You are watching a woman that's probably have been beaten before she went on the stage wow. to be filmed. Now that that is impactful because I don't think that people really recognize that that is what it is. And I told you that I'm naive to this early on. And you mentioned to me that you didn't even realize that you were trafficked until but say that again, the way that you said it, I can't say that. <laughs> so I, I got it. I've been out of home almost uh, 10 years and 2017 is when I was approached by a nonprofit organization, uh, the director, and they had a class and they did a book called Road to Redemption. Mm -hmm. And when I read that book, it pinpointed a lot of if you're this, do you are this and this and they and broke it all the way down. And then I looked at the woman and I just had tears flow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's me. That's my life. That's mm -hmm. she goes, that's not normal. And even even at that time, I thought it was still normal. Like, yeah, yeah I knew Jesus was. But, you know, the 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 mental games that were played in my mind, you know, and having a fa and having family members. Now, before I even, before I even found out I was pregnant a year prior to find out I was pregnant, I was told by my family. Oh, one day out of blue, I, I called my family, you know, to see how my, my child was doing and everything. And they told me, Oh, your son is doing great. We know what the problem is. You weren't supposed to live past the, past the age of five because you had so many seizures in your brain that you were supposed to be dead. That's the reason why you're, you don't know how to read and write, but your son, he's a phenomenal. He knows how to read and write. Like, I wasn't trying to call you for that. Like, yeah. but to hear those things come out of my family's mouth, it's just like, that's so okay. Fantastic. And that's why you mentioned, you mentioned a little bit earlier, I heard you mention it in another speaking engagement that you had, but that you mentioned the importance of speaking life into your children and to lifting them up and elevating them so that they, those kids are responsive to that versus somebody else coming in. Because I don't think that people... Talking human trafficking, because this is so important to me to let people under really, really understand the gravity of that this can happen to anybody. Yes. So outside of outside of that, this, you know, your your story is is one way that trafficking can happen. But there's another way that trafficking can happen. Mm, yes. You know, 60 percent of sex trafficked children coming out of, of foster care. So now you're just talking vulnerable kids, kids that are yep. wanting to be loved. So that goes along with other kids that are just vulnerable in the world yep. or of course, kids that get, you know, I don't want to say snatched up, but of course, kids get, and it's a very real, can you, do you know enough on that to speak on that a little bit? And I mean, 
I, I don't know enough for ones that were snatched up. I just know ones that were convinced to where they were either supposed to be living in from one state. You know, they come from a whole different state because they were in foster care and they couldn't stay. And, you know, they didn't like their family that they were living with. The ones that I am more aware of and the ones that I work with the most are high, uh, college kids, young adults, because there was a couple of years ago before COVID hit, there was a text thread that was sent out saying, hey, are you looking to get extra money to pay off your loans? Now for, yep, exactly. So for you, that sounds like a nice little, my, you know, nothing wrong with that kind of text, right? Like, every, you know, anytime you get a random text, you know, stuff on your emails and stuff, all kinds of spam and stuff. But this text says, hey, you looking for extra money? And you call, you know, now college kids, they have twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 they want to pay off. Mm-hmm. Sure, they going to call it. Um, you know, but not, but see, they don't call, they text back. Yeah, I want that. And mm-hmm. that's why I tell people texting is the worst thing in the world. I hate texting. Mm-hmm. Texting is the worst because you, one, you lose the communication. So you don't know how the person actually sounds or what the, what the whole message, you could look, read one message and it could mean something completely different, which yeah. for this instance, that's what it does. So you, she, they text back and they say, yes, you know, and that way I've known people who've got caught up that way been snatched up that way because then they say they'll say okay come you know come meet us at this place at such such time on such such date and we'll start then and there are naive people that will get Mm -hmm. go get caught up and they can't gun pulled 90 percent times guns pulled gun pulled gun cocked and they tell them get in the car let's go now golly and it what kills me is when you know people some people who have read my book and I tell people, every person who purchased my book is hearing my voice because for 20 years, my voice was silenced. Yeah. I couldn't speak. So anybody that purchased my book, you're actually hearing my voice, my pain, my cry out. So what happens and what people don't realize is these women do not. And I had women come to me and people come to me and say, oh, I thought that you chose this lifestyle. I was like, I didn't, I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I wanted to you know, get a, uh, get a gun and, uh, you know, put in my face or, you know, to, if I had to, to do this, you know, do a sexual act or whatever, to stay in a hotel room for a night or yeah. if not, I was going to get killed. Like I didn't, that was not what I woke up one day and said, I wanted to live my life like that. And right. so a lot of people, when they read my book, they see that, Oh no, these people approach you. Yeah. And they take and then they take advantage of you in some way, somehow. And so that's what happened with some of these college kids. Some of these college kids got taken. Thankfully, they came. We They found them and they got they got brought out and stuff. But yeah. I told I tell a lot of people when you get a text thread like that and you see a whole bunch of numbers pop up and you see, hey, you looking for to get you need to find out and text them. Do you have a website? What's the company's name? You yeah. need to do investigation. Like this ain't no, you know, free for all. Oh, this is great extra money. Right. Bottom line is there's no free money. There's <laughs> something that's that's there. And if you don't know who that person is, you shouldn't. This literally makes me want to take the phone away from my daughter. Like I don't ever want her to pick her. This is terrifying. And I hey. like, <laughs> because look, like I the this story. I have to laugh because if I don't laugh, I'll cry because it, this it blows my mind. Yes, it's it, blowing my mind right now. I, I sit and I talk to people. You know, some of the some of the survivors that I know. I remember I used to sit with them, and I and I, me and them would say to each other, "Man, that was a bad movie that we lived." Yeah, and I go right. I said that's that was a horrific. I like. I, I would tell them, you know, I was like, girl, this is, this is a, this was a movie. Our life was a movie. Yeah. Me, me and other, you know, survivors, we, these, it's a movie. Like yes. if we, if we, if I did not live my life that I lived yeah. and experienced the things that I experienced, I would think I was crazy myself no, because it, it don't make no sense. It doesn't. It don't make no sense. But I put it in my book and I said in the very beginning, this country says that we're free. 
yet mm-hmm. there is modern day slavery right in front of people's faces. Right. And, and then crazy to me is that people, this is clearly, I mean, it's on the streets. I don't. I, oh, not, no, no, it's not. Because I've had people come to me. This doesn't happen in my city. Oh, yes, it does. So, so, city, And that's down the street from me. Well, four so, hours. But Right. Well, so what I tell people is it does happen in your city because there's now websites. Yeah. You have Backpage. You have all different types of Backpage got hit very hard in 2019. There was many nonprofit organizations that took uh, to Backpage, the company Backpage, to the Congress and to the Senate because of the fact that you look on Backpage, you'll see that there will be little ads, you know, talk about an hour for 2,700 kisses. That's $2,700, but we can't put dollars. We have to put kisses or roses or, or you have to put, I remember my pimps would put, you know, $1,300 for 30 minutes on anything you want to do with her, What? you know, and that's why I try to tell people like these, it, it becomes sickening. It becomes sickening because no longer no longer is a pleasure. You know, I've been single for almost, I've literally, since I've, since I've come to Christ, I've been single. Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully so. I I, I, I have not, you know, one person thought I was fine. I have not had nothing. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it. I can imagine. Because it's been ripped from me. So there's no, Mm -hmm. there's nothing there for me to. Question I had, as far as from a, um, Men, your mentality, your your everything. Obviously, there's mental weight that that you're carrying a heavy load, and I understand, and and I believe that too. I've had my own traumas, and I know that I the only way that I got that through that was God. Like that's the only way that I'm quote quote normal. And people will ask that question, and I know that, and I will continuously say that. I've had people say like, "No, you know, it's you, and it's your your strength in this, and it's your it's like no." I don't have that kind of strength. I don't think that people do have that kind of strength. So I understand that. However, I understand that there's also other things that you have to carry through daily as far as, you know, you, you just mentioned one of the things, you know, the, the, the need for somebody, the need for a man or whatever, you just don't even have that, that that's gone. What other things do you deal with that you're having to get through daily that you're even having to take to God and, and just like, let that, let that down. So the, you're talking to a woman who made one of her pimps in a matter of five years, almost five point five almost $5 million in five years. And so, and that's not including purchasing a home for him as well. And so when I sit there and I think of going to a normal job, mm-hmm. I'm a single mother and I go to a normal job and the paycheck that I get, well, I remember the first, I remember the first time I got a, a real job in a long time. And mm-hmm. I remember now, mind you, you're talking to a woman who I used to tell women who would walk past her. I remember one girl walked past her. She was going to work. I think she was going to Wendy's or um, Hardee's or one of the one of the fast food. And she, you know, had her paycheck and her paycheck was like $300 or $400. And I was like, girl, I was like, I can help you make that money in two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I said to then turn around because remember I told you, I said, I accepted of not, of having my second child. So being a single mom and having to work and receive my first paycheck and everything in me, everything in me said, girl, you can make this money for a 40 hour week. I can make the same amount of money in an hour. And I have to every day say, Lord Jesus, you're Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. You know everything. You sustain me. You keep me every day. Lord, I don't want to go to work. Lord, I don't want to do this. Lord, you know me. Lord, I need you to come every day. I need you to rest in me. I need you to be there for me. Lord, I need you to go before me. I need you to be my Jehovah Nisi, my banner. I need you to make a way. I need you to give me the strength because I'm weak right now. These are things that I have to say to the Lord every day. Lord, I this that is your child. That is not my child. You say you're the father to the fatherless. I don't know how to raise this child. 
Yeah. I didn't raise my other my other child. My other child's with my family. I didn't raise them. So I'm saying, Lord, I don't know how to raise this child. You need to show me how to raise this child. I don't know how to deal with this. How do I sustain? How do I be a mother? These are talk about P- PTSD happened to me in the very beginning. Yeah. And, yeah. and but but people don't realize when you have P- a PTSD, yes, it's a real thing. But if you truly give it to God, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't have those anymore. Now it's okay, my daily life. Yeah, you know, living in an apartment, you know, and and, and knowing that I have bills to pay, mm-hmm. and not wandering off money and thinking because living that lifestyle for so long, as as quick as money comes, as quick as money go. I used to go get my hair done, my nails done all the time. Go to different states, and I had specific, you know, particular people. I go if I was in in uh, Texas, if I was in Atlanta, if I was in New York, if I was if they I, anywhere, I would know exactly where to go, who to get it done. Three, four hundred dollars. Okay, not a problem. Here you go, and know that two hours later, I'll make that money right back. That wow. ain't the same. No, I'm a mother. You had to do a total change of everything. My God. So I had to to say to the Lord, Lord, I give this to you. Mm -hmm. Lord, I need need you. It is. It's an everyday battle. Yeah. But I I say to him as that my worst day, the day that I'm weak, the day that I'm struggling the worst is my best day. Yeah. Compared to the, the world that I left. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is some powerful stuff right there. And you're so right. Soraya, I don't even know how you tell your story this way. I'm I'm mind blown. I, I hear a lot of stories. My podcast is all that trauma. And I'm like, bring all that trauma. Let's talk about it and let other people know that you're not the only one. And this story, um, knowing how many people that it affects, I know that it's going to touch hundreds of thousands of people's lives. And I'm so thankful that you're willing to share that today. Cause I, you know, it, it doesn't just, it doesn't just hit and people need to understand that human trafficking, what a lot of people don't talk about is very much domestic violence relationships. If you pull away the money, you're basically dealing with a domestic violence relationship, yeah. a man beating a woman. Mm-hmm. So if you're willing to help a woman who is in a domestic violence relationship, why not help a woman that's in human trafficking? Yeah. God, that's so true. That's so true. And is that what your your nonprofit is? Is it tell me yes. just briefly explain what the nonprofit is gonna um so so basically and I love the so the the programs that I said they're all Christian based programs. So my my nonprofit organization is called Ashes to Beauty New England and basically what it is it's a street team. It's basically a street team and uh, I'm not a soup kitchen, I'm not, you know, a, a a shelter what I am is I bring food to homeless people, you know, a home cooked meal. Not no soup, not no hot dogs and no like some ribs, you know, some hearty food because there was times, months, weeks that I went without eating. There was years I went without a a home cooked meal by my mother. So there, you know, there are people that are on the streets right now, whether they're prostitutions or, or children or men that are homeless feed them and if they want to get out that i would bring them i have i already have three men or uh, organizations that will take men into their program i have two women organizations that will take women and children in their organization and i'm basically the the ambulance so you want to get off the streets you want to get a second chance just like god gave me a second chance to have my life changed and reformed and renewed and set free from addiction from uh, of this, all the things going on to be fully mm-hmm. free and just live a life of fullness. Then yeah. I tell them, here you go. And are you going to be on that front line? It's I you- will be on that front line. I've already, I do it now. 
I do it now. I go to different states, picking up different women. You know, I've brought, you know, women to, if they need to go to a, a, a detox program because they can't get it straight. You know, some, some of the organizations that I have, they won't take, you know, Suboxone and, and uh, Gabapentin and different drugs and stuff. So they got to be detoxed off of certain drugs before they could go into their program and stuff. So I've brought, I have brought women to the detox i've gone i've gone to different states to pick up women to bring them to a program and oh man i've i've gone you know midnight no and understand that this isn't my full-time job i work a full-time job i work in the health the, uh, the health field so there has been times where it'd be 12 12 o'clock at night i'm in another state picking up a woman and got to be at work at five o'clock the next morning and don't care because i i know that that woman's going to be freed yeah I love that. Soraya, where can people, if they want to connect with you, if they want to, for one, get your book, if they want to connect with you in any kind of way, if they want to be a part of this nonprofit with you, how can people get in touch with you? So I have, you have it uh, displayed, but it's Soraya Info. They're on there. Mm -hmm. You go to the website and it actually has six minute clip from the 700 Club that I did an interview with. Mm -hmm. And it really breaks down my story of how I was set free. And uh, in there, it shows there are some links that you could go to the Facebook to, you know, if you want to friend request me on Facebook, uh, you know, I am more than willing to answer any questions. If you yeah. have, if you know a woman right now who needs help, you know, I, I have no problems going and help them. And if they are in the New England area, if they're mm -hmm. not in the New England area and say they're in like Georgia or Tennessee or Texas or Florida and stuff, I do have organizations. I do know people. So it's not like I can't help, you know, we can connect. That's basically what my organization is, is basically the bridge, the connector, if you need help around and stuff. So, and then you check that out and then you can uh, subscribe and I'll give you information what we're doing right now. I've just posted it. We're collecting items, you know, women's uh, hygiene products. We're collecting toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant. We're collecting, uh, we're asking for $5 gift cards for Wendy's um, because they have the four for four on there. So, and it will be, and as homeless people, people don't realize homeless, sometimes they're drug addicts. So $5, they cannot sell that for anything to get drugs. So they would have to actually use that to get food. And stuff. So, so the there's there's all the logistics goes into helping a homeless person out if they're really wanting to get out and stuff. Because I'm not about feeding people their drugs. I ain't about that, and I'm not about feeding people to stay on the street either. Wow. So, so that is you can get my uh, book is on Amazon. There's a link on my page to go to Barnes and Nobles. I do have a podcast show where I put out uh, encouraging words. You know. The, the time that we're in it is very hard. You know, people are struggling, whether they've lost their job, whether they are struggling with because their abuse is in the family, you know, mm -hmm. in the homes, you know, because of uh, the COVID yeah. abuse has arised. Yeah. Uh, people are not talking about that kind of stuff. You know, children are being beaten. You know, some parents are not, not able to Handle, you know, some handle the stress behind it. Women are being murdered behind this. You know, human trafficking is, is very rampant right now and stuff. I understand, you know, a few months ago, there was a big old hoorah about human trafficking and protesting. And those are all noises. Please don't do that. What yeah. is, what, what's the purpose? What, so that she could be on TV? Like, mm -hmm. come on, you want to, if you want to help, if you want to help get a woman off the streets, then connect with your local churches because they have organizations. You know, you can connect with me. You can, there's so many. If you purchase my book, I name a few organizations in my book that you can connect with that yeah. they deal with them hands on. And your book is named No More Games, right? No More Games. Yes. Okay. I do have a book. I do have a book coming out or I am in a right now writing my next book. It's called Life After the Game. What does life look like after coming out of that? I so, love yeah. that. 
Yeah. yeah, so powerful, Soraya. I didn't even, not that I didn't expect, I didn't know what to expect if I'm being completely upfront and honest, but I, I'm blown away by you. I'm blown away by your strength. I'm blown away, away by the fact that you're willing to share your story. And I'm so, so, so thankful. I can't, I can't wait till like 10, 20 years down the line to hear Amen. how many people you've impacted with your story. Amen. So, I again just want to thank you so much, thank you. Soraya, for joining us today. Um, and for anybody who is listening today, if you have been impacted or touched, which I know that you have by this story, my God, please, please share this with anybody that you know, with mothers, with fathers, with yes. anybody who has kids, dear God. And then also, if you like this episode and you've been following or listening, please do subscribe to All That Trauma. Um, and I love to share stories like this that people just don't get to hear about. And this is where you can find that. If you have a story of your own that you want to share, I would love to hear that as well, because this is the conduit for those stories and people who have who have serious stories to tell and life changing stories to tell. So uh, you can connect with me at all that trauma at gmail.com. But for now, thank you so much for tuning into all that trauma. And I look forward to um, seeing you here again next time. 